Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome, everybody, to This Girl Puts Out podcast, episode number 14. I'd like to welcome a new friend today to our show. We're going to be discussing perinatal mental health. And my guest today is Christina Dulaney. And I want to tell you just a little bit about her before we begin. She is a registered nurse originally from Raleigh, North Carolina, currently residing in Tennessee. She is the uh, founder of Cherished Mom, which is a nonprofit that um, hopes to change the educational landscape of perinatal mental health. So I don't want to give too much away. Um, We will give you some information on Cherished Mom at the end of our uh, recording. But uh, as you know, hopefully if you're a regular listener, you've gotten used to our our spiel here. We're really interested in, um, we always start our podcast off with the story. The story is what um, people resonate with and what, what uh, you know, stirs emotion in us and helps us connect. And then we'll talk about all the good stuff that uh, Christina is doing because of her story. So welcome, Christina. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you. And um, we're going to dive right in, in the interest of time, because I know how busy you are. Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I um, have, I'm a wife. I have been married for almost 12 years. Um, And I have two children. Their ages now are seven and five, about to be eight and six, going on 15 and (laughs) 13. (laughs) And as you already said, I'm a registered nurse. I've been a registered nurse for uh, over 10 years. Um, And that's, I have an extensive history in nursing, uh, med surge and home health and marketing. And so, yeah. Awesome. And now um, nonprofit founder. Yes, which I never (laughs) imagined myself to be so (laughs) learning something new every day right right that's god laughing at us right yes absolutely (laughs) absolutely so did you always want to be a mom um when i got married i did absolutely did and even before i got married i absolutely did want to be a mom um when i was younger and this is what i think is funny about um, growing up, I used to beg God to not send me children because I didn't want to go through that pain. Um, but yeah, I always wanted to be a mother and have children, um, you know, after I got through that phase of not wanting to go through the pain. And, um, but yeah, it, um, I absolutely did. And you have two children. So tell us, uh, can you briefly describe your pregnancies for us? Sure. Um, my pregnancies really were not that bad, especially the first one was excellent. The mm-hmm. pregnancy was wonderful. Um, 
And we actually had to have a little bit of assistance to get pregnant um, because I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we knew um, that we were pregnant very early on. Um, And the whole entire pregnancy was very lovely, no complications at all with that first one. Um, And I had planned an all-natural delivery and had my heart set on it. Um, And of course, when you have your heart set on something like that, it doesn't happen. Um, So uh, I ended up going through 22 hours of labor and had an emergency C-section. And everyone saw our first child, you know, head to toe before I did. Um, because she was kept from me for quite a long time while mm-hmm. I was in recovery. Um, so I, I never prepared myself for that. Um, you know, when you, when you are preparing for a natural delivery and you know you can do it, um, you just, you never think of what could happen. Um, and I guess that's just my whole my whole story yeah right (laughs) not my whole story but but then you know there's so much that goes into that and then um postpartum I I did experience depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. that I never sought help for and then we unexpectedly got pregnant with our second um when our first was a little over a year old Mm -hmm. um we were never, we were thinking we would have to get assistance again to get mm-hmm. pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still wonder how that actually happened. But, <laughs> um, and that pregnancy, it was, it wasn't bad. Um, I had some racing heart issues and uh, I, they ended up sending me to a cardiologist to rule everything cardiac wise out. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never, ever stopped to ask or tell me that maybe it could be anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm definitely convinced now that it was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I had all the risk factors. Um, looking back, I had so many risk factors and the family history was there. Um, and so I went through that pregnancy with anxiety. And I was even hospitalized at around eight months. Mm-hmm. Um with what was diagnosed to be a kidney infection. Um, But it went away after one dose of IV antibiotics. And I am now convinced that it was a severe, severe anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but again, nobody ever talked about anxiety. Nobody really ever talked about postpartum depression and that that delivery was much much better than the first we had a planned c-section we mm-hmm. got to do skin to skin she was mm-hmm. barely away from me mm-hmm. um, at all but for maybe a couple minutes um so it was much a much better experience you bring up such a, a good point i mean i <clears throat> i'm a nurse i've been a nurse for 900 years and you know <laughs> there are things that that you're just not prepared for. First of all, when you're a patient, all your medical knowledge goes out the window. We need to like let everybody know that's what happens. We, you know, we're 
terrible at diagnosing ourselves. Um, we're terrible patients. We're period. awful <laughs> patients. But, um, you know, I mean, I postpartum depression is something you hear about. You don't hear about perinatal anxiety. You don't hear mm -hmm. about, you know, um, you don't hear that your child is going to be taken from you in the OR after your section and that you're not going to see them for four hours. Like I was an operating room nurse for 20 years and I was not prepared for that. Same thing happened to me. I didn't see my boy for four hours and it was gut wrenching. Um, but there's just so much that is unknown. And I don't know. I just think we can't put, put enough importance on, education because even medical people do not know and I don't yeah. know there's a gap in the knowledge somewhere there's a gap in what we're sharing um and I don't know where that comes from but we'll talk more about it in a bit so did you did you go back to work after your first child was born or no I did after did. my first and my second mm -hmm. I went okay. back to work. Okay. Um, and going back to what you were saying with, you know, medical people, I think there is a, a little bit of discrimination against the helping field and the medical field that you should know. Uh, Absolutely. You should know these things. So I'm not going to spend extra time to tell you because we know. Right. There's a presumption <laughs> so. that you know. There's a presumption that you know, and that's why, you know, we're taught we're supposed yeah. to treat every person as if they don't know, but, but we don't do that. You're right. There is yeah. a discrimination or a presumption. Absolutely I, agree with you. Yeah, but I did go back to work after both. So, um, so you went back to work. How, how, old were, how old were they when you went back? Like, did you take the typical eight weeks off and go right back to work? Yes, it mm -hmm. was eight weeks. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, things started to get difficult for you after your second child was born. You said the first time you do, looking back, know that you did have some anxiety and depression, but it wasn't dealt with. Mm -hmm. um, you, I'm assuming you just swept it under the rug and told yourself to buck up and um, mm -hmm. not be a baby and go back to work, do what you got to do. And then you were pregnant again, almost like right away. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I, I had depression, anxiety after both of my children mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I thought I could get through, because mm -hmm. um, that's what Southern women do. We mm -hmm. pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, and we want everyone to think we're fine, and mm -hmm. we don't need help, um, which is just not the case. I mean, society puts so many pressures on new mothers, and it doesn't matter where we live. And honestly, I think every mom experiences anxiety or depression at some point in their lives. Agree. Absolutely. Um, Show me the mother that doesn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we just don't want to talk about it. And so I didn't, and I, I had so many symptoms and me and my husband even talked about, you know, me reaching out for help and I just mm -hmm. never did mm -hmm. um, until it got really, really bad. <laughs> So another thing that, that goes into not reaching out for help is, you know, we're just, we're, we're worried about fitting into the model that society has created for us. We're worried about what others close to us are going to think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, social media certainly doesn't help that, you know, everybody's right. life's looking absolutely 
perfect. Um, so, so things started to unravel a little bit for you. You started to have what you had described to me as intrusive thoughts and rage. And mm. so t- tell us about, I guess, we'll call it the unraveling. Yeah. So I remember my husband um, planned a date night and I had been with the kids all day and I was, it was to my favorite restaurant. He had childcare planned and I was not having it. And I went into a raging fit. And I, it just, when you get, when you're postpartum and you get into a raging fit like that, you just, you can't stop. Um, and then it, but it's, it's not like that person. It wasn't like me. Mm. Um, and so I would have, I had that experience and the week leading up to what I refer to as my crisis, I was very overly compassionate, slightly hyper-religious, um, and just doing, not really doing things that were outside of my normal, but that Friday that it actually occurred, like it, I was so far outside of reality that, you know, some of the things that were occurring that week Mm -hmm. maybe if we had known if we had known signs and symptoms to look for if we had known that this was a thing maybe we could have caught something Mm -hmm. um or even if we would have felt comfortable talking about it if i would have ever ever reached out for the help that i needed Mm -hmm. could it have been prevented i'll never know right but that Friday, I spiraled out of control. I quit my job. I, I went into my pastor's office, which I never do, and sat and talked with him. I was supposed to leave um, and drive my children to the beach by myself that day. Um, but, it, you know, during those times, you know, I felt God, the pa- during those times, even though you're hyper-religious, you feel the power of God protecting you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's so hard to explain, but even though your mind is so far out of control and outside of reality mm-hmm. that you know that God was, I know that God was protecting me, mm-hmm. um, and literally set me down on my porch and would not let me leave. Um, mm-hmm. and I, my mind was racing. It mm-hmm. was hallucinating. It was, um, delusional and paranoid Mm. um and my at one point my husband stepped outside and I'm pretty sure my kids were sleeping Mm. um but I grabbed them up out of their beds and just held them and said please save me please save our children because I thought Jesus was returning um and at that point my husband came back in he's like what are you doing I was like I'm praying and he said I was white as a ghost and passed out and when I say this in quotes because it was like a pseudo passing out Mm -hmm. that I knew my body knew what it was doing but my mind did not (laughs) um and he called 911 because he knew something was not okay um and so at that point it he knew it wasn't he knew it he didn't think it was medical because he knew the events leading up to um and so the ambulance came and you know when you call for a psychiatric emergency um 
every everybody comes <laughs> and we lived in a townhouse so it was very close quarters <laughs> but they got there and I thought I was dying so I was telling them to intubate me and pump on my chest and talking to them do you, um, remember, do you remember this I do this is one part that I do remember <laughs> and um but I kept like going in and out like it was almost like I was looking down on myself um very it was just so bizarre um and fortunately, we had friends that quickly came over to watch our kids um, because both of our kids were at home. We had a five-and-a-half-month-old and a, a two-year-old. Um, they hadn't got there yet, so one of the firemen took them into one of our daughter's rooms. And that's what my oldest remembered for a very long time, mm. the firemen in the room. Um, and she was, I mean, the kids were how old at this point? Two and five and a half months. Two years old. Mm -hmm. and she recalls this event. She, the only thing she knew for a long time, she doesn't remember anything now. Um, but the only thing she remembered for a very long time was, um, a fireman watching her in her room. Wow. Yeah. So... They bring you to the hospital, and mm -hmm. you're, you're given a diagnosis. And would you tell us what, what the diagnosis was in, in about the time you spent in the psychiatric unit? Yeah, so it actually didn't take – it took them a little bit to actually get a proper diagnosis of postpartum psychosis. And I spent three nights in a psychiatric ER, um, and they didn't tell my husband that he couldn't stay with me there. You know, when you're in a psychiatric ER, you, you can't have anybody there. Um, and he ended up staying in the parking lot the first night because he didn't know what was going on with his wife. There was oh points that I didn't even remember who he was. Um, so I spent three nights there and then ended up... Um, being transferred to a general psychiatric unit. Um, and I was only 45 minutes away from UNC, which is the top psyche, the top inpatient unit for perinatal women. Um, but they didn't have a bed available. So I had to go to a general inpatient unit, which it was very scary. Um, and that's where my memory fails me is being, in the ER and being inpatient. Um, but I did get the proper diagnosis um, and I received antipsychotics, um, antidepressants, an occasional injection to calm me down. I had a 24-7 sitter with me the entire time because I was suicidal, a danger to myself and others. Um, so, wow. Yeah, and when you have a sitter with you at that particular mm -hmm. hospital, you can't go off the unit. You can't go eat with everybody else. You can't do anything. Right, and you try. You tried to leave at one point, correct? I did. <laughs> I did. Um, and my husband never believed me that I got my finger stuck in the door because I tried to escape. Um, <laughs> and he thought that I was relaying. Like I, he thought that that was a childhood memory that was coming back up. Um. <laughs> And I finally got my hospital records. I'm like, look, there it is. Got my finger stuck in the door. See? <laughs> See? I, I was crazy, but I do remember. <laughs> um, so, so how, 
Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, so yeah, I did, I, that did happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was a very scary experience. And it, I, I literally thought I was on hell on earth. Yeah. How long were you treated as an inpatient for? I was there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, so you get released and you go home and you're expected to what, be better or there was an, an outpatient continuation of treatment, I'm going to hope. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. I could not be by myself. I couldn't be with my kids by myself. I couldn't drive. I couldn't go back to work. And I had mm-hmm. to go to intensive outpatient therapy, mm-hmm. which was three hours of group therapy every day. Um, and I tried my hardest to find other things that I could be doing <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of going to group therapy because I did not like it. Um, fortunately, it worked out that at first group therapy was all females. Um, towards the end, it was not that way uh, because it was not a group that was meant for just women. Mm-hmm. Um but at, at first it was, mm-hmm. and, and, but I was still outside of reality. I was still thinking, um, that group that everyone in that group were older mm-hmm. or younger versions of my family and friends. So it was like being in group with, you know, people I knew, but in reality, it, that wasn't true. Um, it was, it was still very bizarre and, but I was still in recovery and, um, I didn't like it and, mm-hmm. but they still, they didn't warn, they didn't talk about side effects of medications. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk about the reasons why all these stipulations, which I know now, mm-hmm. um, but two weeks in two, it was almost exactly one and a half or two weeks after I got discharged that I got very angry. Me and my husband were driving around, um, my youngest child was in the back seat. I think the other one was at daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got very angry at everything and I just had it. Um, and I tried to jump out of the truck. Um, and he was very quick to lock the lock button. Yeah. And my goal the whole time was not to go back. Um, but at that point I had to go back. Yeah and get reevaluated and um but they sent me home and at that point all the knives were hidden um the one gun that we had was taken out of the house Mm. um and yeah you probably weren't allowed to be alone with the children oh it's still no yeah um so I can imagine you were frustrated at this point, right? I mean, you you want to be better. You're you're better enough to know that you want to be you want to be better and that you're not fully functional from from a, a mental standpoint in in again feeling the obligation to be a mom and not be able mm. to fulfill your role at that time. I'm sure that added to things for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you had a long road to recovery. Um, I did. You stayed in outpatient for how long? I was in outpatient, intensive outpatient for, Mm -hmm. 
I think I was in a week or two after mm -hmm. that event because once that mm -hmm. happened, they're like, mm -hmm. you're coming back every day and you're not missing anything. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, I, I fought hard. Very hard. I'm sorry this happened to you. It's... How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Um, it, took, it took a year to recover. So mm -hmm. after that outpatient, intensive outpatient, I went... I found my own psychiatrist. I had my own therapist, but even that therapist, mm -hmm. she, nobody was specialized mm -hmm. in perinatal mood disorders. Um, there was no, there were no groups. Um, well, there was one, but nobody ever went. Um, and then eight months later, we ended up moving. Mm -hmm to East Tennessee, because this was originally in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And it took me a year to recover, which is about normal. Um, but, I mean, people have to realize, too, that you have to fight for that recovery. Yeah. I didn't go back to work. I didn't get released mm -hmm. to go back to work for mm -hmm. six months. And yeah. I, I don't think all psychiatrists or therapists treat it the same either. Yeah. As you said, it's, it's specialized. Um, so you finally got, I mean, you got the right treatment, though. Do you feel you got the, the treatment that you needed? I do think that I got the, the correct mm -hmm. treatment and, mm -hmm. of course, the correct diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, and doctors that were willing to hear me mm -hmm. um because the one original medication i could not stand um and i they they listened to me they heard me they changed it mm -hmm. um but when we end up moving <laughs> i had to navigate a whole new mental health system which was an experience all by itself and that therapist tried to re-diagnose mm -hmm. me with an incorrect diagnosis. She didn't know anything about postpartum psychosis. Um, so it was me educating her, which is wow. not appropriate. Um, and the psychiatrist that I went through, it was like a new psychiatrist every time because the turnover was awful. Um, and wow. so it was, and there was nothing around here at the mm -hmm. time, there was nothing for moms, mm -hmm. nothing for new moms. Yeah. And that's the case for many, many areas. Sure. So, which is really how you ended up um, doing something about it. You mm -hmm. clearly, once you were better, saw the gaps in in resources for for women. And um, so, tell us, tell us about um, Cherished Mom. Yeah, so it, it really did, it didn't take me long at all to share my story and to start to understand what had happened to me and mm -hmm. process that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I had to do that research to find others that had been there. Um, that research came from my end, 
mm-hmm. and wanting to know others that had experienced it too. Um, so when we moved here, there was, again, nothing. And it led me on a journey to find other specialists and um, in the region that were passionate about maternal mental health. And, and so two years ago, I was planning an event and I thought of this idea to hand out care packages um, or bags for people that attended. I was like, you know, how cool would it be to um, provide education with an incentive for moms? Mm -hmm. Um, Because moms are essentially not educated by their providers um, because providers have very little time. um, And I get it. I said, so that's a huge gap. Moms and families are not educated on this number one complication of childbirth, which still baffles me. But... um, and so I wanted to fill a gap and provide education. Mm-hmm. Um, us nurses, that's what we do. We educate. Um, and so I thought of that idea, and that's essentially where Cherish Mom was born, mm-hmm. to provide education. Um, and it has grown tremendously in two years um, to fill a gap and a void that the community needs and really nationwide is so needed. So your original vision and mission was just to educate, but it's evolved quite a bit in the last two years. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what services do you provide at this point? We provide support groups, Um, for so long, people told me, you need to start a support group. You need to start a support group. And I, I didn't want to, unless I had the proper education and, um, proper training. So when I left my job two and a half years ago, I immediately went to, um, the postpartum support international two day training for perinatal mood disorders, um, and went through that. And then that October, I went to the Bloom Foundation peer support training. Um, and then we launched a support group to, is it a year and a half ago, January of 2019. Um, so we offer support groups. Um, we have a perinatal group. We have an infertility group. Um, we have a NICU group that's starting next week. Um, and we are working on a perinatal grief and loss group that'll be starting in hopefully January of 2021. Um, So we have our support groups. We provide care packages locally to one of our um, labor and delivery departments. And we have so many uh, educational offerings and resources Mm -hmm. available on our website and on social media. Um, Are you educating medical professionals as well? We are. I also was involved in um, founding, co-founding another nonprofit in the area, the Appalachian Perinatal Mental Health Alliance, and we have been um, very involved with the he- healthcare professionals and the mm-hmm. professional community to help to bridge that gap, to raise awareness, and um, educate them as well. 
How far has your reach been at this point? It's probably hard to estimate, but can you tell maybe from support group numbers or do you, do you gauge your web traffic? Um, any idea how many, how many people you've helped? Oh, um, with our support groups, I know we've helped around 50 families. Mm-hmm. Um, our care packages, we've delivered about over 150 care packages with our educational resources. There's no way to even tell. Um, Our website has gotten over 20,000 hits on it. Um, And so it's very hard to tell in that arena, but. um, It just takes one, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as long as we can help one family and, you know, it's also life-saving. It's life-saving work. Just your story is just unbelievable. I mean, here you are, a nurse, and not just this coming completely out of left field, never even knowing that this could happen to you. Mm-mm. But it's amazing that, you know, you survived. And and what's more amazing is what what you're doing because of it and this is a true tragedy to triumph story but you're just giving so much of yourself to to others because you are clearly passionate and and you're right there is there's a problem that we don't know more about postpartum psychosis there's you know something isn't being done correctly um so congratulations on providing just such a beautiful well-needed service and a lot of your services are virtual correct they are they are and just to I usually share when I went back to my OBGYN because this was also what kind of hit me Mm -hmm. years later but I told him I was a registered nurse I didn't know anything about postpartum psychosis and very little about postpartum depression. And his response to me was, that was a heck of a way to find out about it. Um, And so that was another reason two years down the road, I was like, this is not okay. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. Like women and families should be educated, whether it's by an organization or their provider. Um, And, my child, my own children have an increased risk for experiencing the same thing I went through, and I will not rest until they have the absolute best available to them, um, whether they experience it or not. Um, so you are just you're driven by the need. You're just mm-hmm. driven by the fact that that. Um, as you said, it's it's life saving. I mean, who knows what what would have happened had you not been in a supportive environment, had you not, you know, had your husband not been around, had, you know, this could have had a, taken a really ugly turn. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it does at times, it does. And unfortunately I can understand that and how and why. um, And I could have been that, Mm -hmm. but God graciously, protected me Mm -hmm. um but he's also given me a passion and a story to 
help do something about it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like you said, postpartum psychosis is very stigmatized. It's very misunderstood. Um, and many of the women that we hear about that had postpartum psychosis mm -hmm. are thought of as monsters. And it's just not the case. They had a disease and an illness. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think for most people, they, they may have heard of postpartum depression, but you never, you, you know, you assume it's okay, she, a mom crying a lot, can't get out of bed, doesn't want to get dressed. You, you don't envision a woman having an actual psychotic break mm -hmm. when you hear postpartum depression. That's not, that's not the general idea of it. Right. Um, and a lot of times, you know, <laughs> I've seen a meme a lot re recently in the last week that mm -hmm. talks about what we think of postpartum depression mm -hmm. and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do think that it's, you know, a mom crying and very sad. And But what it actually looks like is a mom that looks put together most of the time and is hiding from her feelings and doesn't want to talk about it and is suffering in silence. Um, so it's something that we have to be very diligent and ask new moms, how are you doing? Um, and ask again, how are you doing? Because most yeah. of the time they'll say, I'm fine. Right. And go on. So, Cause um, she's supposed to be fine. Exactly. Um, what are some, some do's and don'ts for us being around new moms. Um, you know, you just said, stop and ask, how are you? Yeah, definitely yes. stop and ask how they're doing. Um, don't just go visit and sit and hold the baby. Um, and that's it. You know, offer to do something while you're there for the mom. Um, because that, that's a, not just a new baby, but it's a new mom too. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's trying to figure life out as a new mom. And oftentimes we pour so much into that baby that we neglect ourselves. So if you are sitting there and holding the baby, which is perfectly fine, you know, allow her to take a nap, allow her to take a shower, um, or allow her to sit there and hold her baby and do some dishes or do a load of laundry because mm -hmm. <laughs> you will be her best friend. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah. Something so simple. Um, or maybe bring a meal she can yes. pop into the freezer. Yes. Right. And that is something, you know, when we got, when I got out of the psychiatric unit and we kept our experience very quiet mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Um, but we, I was an, a, 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 an again mom um, with a, a new baby, five and a half months old. That's not very old, but we treat mental illness. We don't treat mental illness the same as we do any other illnesses. So mm -hmm. if I had gone and broken my leg and gotten back home, our church family probably would have rallied around and making sure we were provided for and had meals on the table. Sure. We had nothing. Oh my gosh. We had our, I mean, our family, oh my goodness, our fam, our f immediate families were coming in from East Tennessee and Raleigh at the time to Greensboro 
taking weeks at a time to help take care of us. So we did have that. Mm-hmm. But, and it's probably partly our fault because we didn't talk about it and we didn't share that what we didn't know what to ask for. But that is one thing that, you know, if you know someone that has just gotten out of the psychiatric unit, if they do end up telling you, take them a meal. It is no different from going into the hospital for surgery or a broken bone. Take them a meal. You know, at the end of the day, people that are in need, they need, they need other people. You know, they need to know that people care. I don't care if it's, uh, you know, you're suffering from mental illness or, um, you know, as you said, a broken leg. People need to feel loved. And, um, you know, again, the stigma from any kind of mental health disorder is probably another thing that keeps people away, you know, Um, almost like there's, there's this invisible thing surrounding the house. you know, um, preventing you from dropping off a meal. Um, I think that's real. And the more we talk about it, the, the better we're going to be. Um, so I don't know. I I know you're, you're younger than me, but, um, I think once we hit, you know, our forties, we start thinking about our purpose in life, you know, especially once our kids are a little bit older and, uh, we're on that quest, right? You know, to find our purpose, to make a difference in the world. Is is this your purpose? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I um, I never thought in a million years I'd be running a nonprofit, working for a nonprofit, <laughs> or working for moms and families. I used to, when I was in nursing school, I did want to either work in labor and delivery or Mm -hmm. be a pediatric nurse, Mm -hmm. but going through those rotations, my mind quickly changed. (laughs) You know, God has a sense of humor and um, he's like, no, we're going to change that around. And, um, you know, he, he has me where he wants me. And um, so he's, he's using my story Mm -hmm. um, for his glory. And so, it's a good feeling to be where you know you're supposed to be, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, where can um, our listeners find you online? I Cherish Mom is on every, most, well, not every, most social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook uh, with the handle at Cherished Mom Org. Okay. Um, and we're, our website is www.cherishedmom.org and email info at cherishedmom.org so they can reach us there and of course I'm Christina Delaney and I'm on Facebook and Instagram I'll be sure to put all of the connections um, on the podcast description and on my website as well Um, for listeners Christina has also uh, been kind enough to lend us her story in written form uh, which is on my website at thisgirlputsout.com and I want to thank you for what you're doing for families and moms in the world and we're we're better for you having gone through 
a terrible experience and the world is better for it. So thank you so much for being so generous with yourself and your time and your family and, and uh, you know, being so, so honest and intimate with us. Uh, You are truly making a difference and Thank you for being here today, Christina. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And I hope to stay in touch with you and that this isn't the end of our our project together. Perfect. That'd be great. All right. This Girl Puts Out is officially signing off. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.